Take your Bibles to John chapter number 12. You know, I was kind of thinking, this holiday kind of forces us to be grateful. Um, because by the time we're eating, by the time we're done eating turkey, we're just thankful that somebody else is serving us something else. You know, we finally look forward to a Mexican dish or barbecue after Thanksgiving because we've had so much turkey. I was talking to Brother Kaiser. I think he's leaving today. He's going to go cook 25 turkeys. Is that right, Brother Kaiser? 20, 25 turkeys. Man alive. I'm glad I ain't got to cook 25 turkeys today, man. But uh, that's a great thing. I think he's given, he's given one of those to the church, and I think some other charitable causes. Is that right, Brother Kaiser? Five? Five. Oh, five to the church. We're the charitable cause. Awesome. Good. I like that. That's very good. Thank you, Brother Kaiser. John chapter number 12, verse number 1 this morning. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus which was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying, hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for only for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. I find that pretty unique that Lazarus has now become a tourist attraction. But you know, for the person that actually looks like Jesus, people will want to come see what we've got going on too. We will become a, an odd display board for those people that want to see what a Christian really looks like. It's unique that Lazarus becomes that here in verse number 9. Verse number 10, though, I, I, I cannot for the life of me get verse number 10 and verse number 11. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Please help us as we gather to study your word, to learn from your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help me preach this morning, I ask. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, amen. amen. Uh, many people over the next few days, certainly over this holiday, will partake in the holiday that we know of as Thanksgiving. But really, I wonder how many of those people are truly thankful. Amen. I was reading a story the other day, and it spoke of two old friends that came together and see, saw one another for, very, uh, for the first time in quite a long time. And, and one of the friends noticed that the other friend was very down in spirit, kind of pouty-lipped. And he said, what, what man, what's the world done to you that's got you in this attitude? And he said, well, I've had a rough past few weeks. He said, three weeks ago, my cousin died and left me $40,000. 
And uh, the, the friend kind of surprised said, well, that sounds like a good thing. I mean, I, that sounds pretty cool. He said, yeah, but uh, then the next week I had an aunt who I, I didn't even know. I had never met her before, but she died and she left me $80,000, just free and clear, just, just to me. And uh, the friend says, man, it sounds like, sounds like things are going good for you. What, why are you so down in spirit? She said, no, 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 you don't understand, though. This last week, I, I, I got a call and said that my, my, my great aunt first removed was, uh, she died. And she actually was very wealthy. And she left me just under a quarter of a million dollars and never even knew the person. I said, why, why in the world, after receiving $40,000, $80,000, and uh, a quarter of a million dollars from people that you barely even knew, why would you be so upset? I said, because this week, I haven't received anything. <laughs> really, honestly, it's not that outlandish of a story. We, we are generally thankful when we are receiving. How many times are we thankful when maybe the things aren't coming our way like we would hope they would? You see, the Bible paints a picture that Thanksgiving is uh, an attitude that a Christian should exhibit, but one that many Christians do not. You'll recall the story, many of you studied it this morning in Sunday school, of the ten lepers who were healed of Jesus. Now, can we all agree this morning that all of those men received something very precious from Jesus? They received something that they even desired from Jesus. In fact, they were looking for a way out of their predicament, and Jesus gave them that way out. All ten of those men received equal portions of a great blessing. But how many returned to thank Jesus? Only one. I wonder if throughout the Bible, if we were to study it, we would find that many people have reason to be thankful, but few people actually are. The other day I was hearing a commercial and it was for the army and, and the army, they, it was a very good commercial. It talks about the strength of our men and how the army is not just for everybody. It's for those that choose to take on special challenges and, and are just men above a, a normal man. And, and they finish with this line, an army of one. That's good. Almost painting the idea that only a few men are qualified to be a part of this great thing they have going on. I also heard the other day of a, a, another slogan, very similar, but uh, uh, this was a Marine logo or, or slogan. How many of you are ex-Marines or you're never an ex-Marine from the Marines that I know? How many of you are a Marine no longer serving? Amen. Amen. Okay, one. All right, good, good. Uh, the, the Marines also had a commercial and it came on and, and man, the Marines got their stuff together and have a good media team and advertising team. And man, all these things these guys were doing was awesome. And, and their slogan was this, the few, the proud. Actually, there's only one this morning, but the few, the proud, the Marines. That's, that's good. Kind of paints this idea that only few men are qualified when it comes to thanksgiving and being thankful, everyone is qualified. Everybody honestly should be thankful. But I would say that if we were to accurately take a test this morning, our numbers would more accurately represent the ten lepers. Or, or the marines, the few, the proud, the thankful. 
As I study this passage, I see that there are certain attitudes that that every thankful person will exhibit. And I want to take a look at those three attitudes this morning, if you'll look at them with me. Number one, thankful people will acknowledge their reasons to be thankful. Here's what I believe. We, of all people, have so many reasons to be thankful. But the difference between a thankful person and an unthankful person is this. One recognizes their blessings and the other chooses not to. We are so blessed. And I'm not even talking about material blessings here. Even in our passage, we find that there's two different types of, uh, 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 or, or two different reasons why these people should have been thankful. Number one, because they had the Lord's presence with them. Look in verse number one and two. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. You see, right now, in, in, in previous chapters, we've seen multitudes trying to follow Jesus. We've seen people bringing their sick and their hurting and their, those that were crippled and diseased to Jesus, chasing him down. I remember the one woman who had to chase him down only to grasp the hem of his garment. Do you all recall the story? It's as if the throngs and the crowds were so great. Many times Jesus would have to find retreat and he would go out into the wilderness or, or, or go with just his disciples and, and try to get an escape away from the multitudes. And while many, many people tried finding Jesus, it is so unique to me that these people actually had the opportunity to dine with Jesus at a table. Over bread, talking with the master. Not everybody had that opportunity. Some people chased after Jesus. Some people longed after Jesus. But these people had the opportunity to sit and break bread with the Lord. They should have been thankful. They should have been thankful for the opportunity to be that close with Jesus Christ. You know, it was uh, 16 years ago this year that I had the opportunity to break bread with the Lord. You see, not everybody has this opportunity like I have it. I actually was at Timberline Baptist Youth Camp. I remember a preacher was preaching. Generally, that's the way it goes. For some people, they have a much better memory than me. I don't remember exactly what the sermon was. Frankly, I don't even remember who was speaking. But I remember at the end of that service, I felt a tremendous level of conviction. And I went down and I said, I need to be saved. Nobody else in the auditorium could believe I was moving. I had a hard time talking myself into moving. But I went down that altar and I told my youth director, I need to be saved. I could take you to the tile uh, in the room at the, at, the, uh, at the facility there at Timberline Baptist Youth Camp. I remember it. I remember praying that day. I remember being so broken. I remember weeping. You see, a lot of people know about Jesus, but the difference between them and me is I know Jesus. A lot of people have a head knowledge, but that day, 16 years ago, I got a heart knowledge of my Lord and Savior. And the Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door of every man and knocks. And he says, if any man will open, he will enter in and he will sup with him. What he's saying is, there is no exclusivity with Jesus Christ, but he would bid that all men would come to him. You today, friend, can have the tremendous blessing and opportunity in knowing personally the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And if for no other reason this thanksgiving spirit, we ought to be thankful because we know Jesus. People all over this world have sought to know God. I recall as as, uh, those from Spain and England made their way over to the Newfoundland, the Americas, they arrived to a a, a people, Native Americans we would term them, and, and they arrived to this people and they had a great knowledge of the land, but they found that they were a very religious people. They worshipped the sun god. They worshipped the water god. They they, they worshipped all sorts of things. But you see, the difference between them and me is my my worship is not misdirected. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has committed unto me against that day. What a blessing it is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, that's reason to be thankful. These people certainly had that reason To be thankful. Number two, the answered prayer before them. Now, chapter 11 in John is the chapter where Jesus goes to Bethany and actually heals, or not heals, he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's a great chapter. I'd encourage you to read it if you get a chance. John chapter 11, Mary and Martha, they're they're broken in spirit. They, They go and they summons Jesus. And it just so happens that as if, if I read the timeline of the passage correctly, they send to Jesus. Jesus waits two days. Are you with me? Jesus waits two days before he makes his journey to Bethany. And once he arrives on scene, he realizes that, that Lazarus has been dead how many days? Four days. So it's almost as if The moment Mary and Martha sent their messenger to go get Jesus, it was already too late. And then you find Jesus arriving on scene to a a group of mourners, to people who are broken, to people who were saddened. And then Jesus goes and does what Jesus always does. He fixes things. In fact, he is the fixer-upper. And, and, and he goes into this situation, everybody's broken and everybody's in distress. And, and even the people that are there on scene, they say, could not this Jesus who is healing all these people, if he had been here, healed Lazarus? You see, they had faith, but their faith was limited. Man, Jesus goes in there and he raises Lazarus from the dead. It is a fantastic story in the word of God. Now chapter 12. They're eating supper, right? Everybody at that table talking, sharing a good time of fellowship with one another. But don't you think Lazarus kind of sticks out a bit? I mean, there's only one chapter ago, everybody was sad he's dead. And now Lazarus, this great testimony of the power of Jesus, sits in the midst of their presence. Their prayers had been answered and they're looking in the face of the one who answered those prayers. What a wonderful thing it is to know that we can go to Jesus at all times, anytime we have a problem. You know, Jesus only expressed thanksgiving towards God three different times in scripture. The Bible says that he thanked God three times in scripture. Two of those times were over food. And parents, let me encourage you something. Teach your children to be thankful at supper time. There's a lot of children that don't have supper time. 
just because we live in a great land and we've experienced the blessings of our God, teach your children to take time before they begin to pig out to be thankful for what they have. On two separate occasions, Jesus thanked God for the food. He blessed it and broke it at the feeding of the 5,000. And he blessed it and he distributed it at the Lord's Supper. But one other time did he express thanks to God. And I want you to see it with me. It's actually in John chapter 11. Look at John chapter 11, just the chapter before where we are. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Now that's Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee. Jesus thanking the Father. Now let's find out what he's thanking him for. That thou hast, what are the next two words? Heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus expressed thanksgiving towards God on three separate occasions. Two were over food, and this one is unique. It stands alone. And what was so significant about it? Jesus, the Son, looks at God the Father, and he says this. God, I want to thank you for hearing my prayer. Now, just move over one chapter later, chapter number 12. Lazarus is sitting in the midst of them as they eat and as they celebrate. And as, as, as uh, no doubt, the, the mood is kind of changing as this is the beginning of Passion Week. But, but they get to sit and look into the face of not only the answered prayer request, but the one who answered that prayer request. Jesus even taught us to be thankful that God always hears our prayers. We, of all people, should be thankful because we know that He hears our prayers. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John chapter number 5, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. You can rest assured God hears your prayer. But then the Bible goes on to say this. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. One of the main things that Christians ought to be thankful for is no matter how bad our life gets, God will always hear our prayer. Now that's just the two reasons that I find in the passage to be thankful for. But aren't there so many other reasons to be thankful Well, we live in the best land in this world. We we have the privilege of coming to church this morning. You say, I wish I had a better one. Well, me too. If you find one, let me know. I'll go with you. You see, we are so, so blessed. You know the difference between a thankful person and an unthankful person? One actually acknowledges the blessings that they have and the other does not. We say, well, there's things that I'm wanting, but the things that we want should be so outweighed and overwhelmed by the things that we have been given and don't deserve. What a blessing it is that we are blessed beyond all measure and thankful people acknowledge their reasons to be thankful. That's the first attitude of every thankful person. Number two, thankful people apply their reactions of thankfulness. They they actually put to work what thankfulness does. You see, thankfulness is not an 
attitude that stays within. It is an action that is expressed on the outside. You can't just be thankful and feel good on the inside because thankfulness and gratitude will express itself and expose itself. I want you to see two ways that these folks uh, express their thankfulness. Number one, a serving spirit. Verse number two, the Bible says, There they made him a supper, and Martha served. Now, if, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that this was uh, Martha's hang-up, wasn't it? On two different occasions, we find Martha serving at, at, at a setting like this. You see, the first time, she's actually serving in her home. She invited the Lord into her home and, and she wanted to be a good host. And so she, as we know, the Bible says she's cumbered about with much serving, right? And she's doing everything. But, but remember, give her a little break. This is her home the Lord is in. If Jesus came into your home, wouldn't you want things to be done well? Wouldn't you want him to be taken care of? Certainly, I think that's the case. This time, however, it is not at her home. The Bible tells us in two other passages, this is at Simon the leper's house. If she had a reason to, or if she had looked for an opportunity to not serve this time, she could have. She didn't have to serve, it wasn't her home. But yet we find Martha once again associated with an act of service. You ever know, uh, you ever realize that people express love and appreciation in different ways? The other day, my wife had me take a test. It was called the uh, Five Love Languages. It's a book someone wrote. I'm sure you've heard of it if you've been a Christian for very long. In this test, it asked you all sorts of questions. I think the only reason she signed me up is so that they could spam my email every day. Amen? Just unsubscribe from that newsletter yesterday. Praise the Lord. My wife, though, had me take this test. One of the ways, I, I'm not sure all the five love languages, maybe one day we'll teach it, maybe not. I'm sure we can find something else to teach from the Bible. But there are five love languages that this author has come up with. Number one is acts of service. Uh, doing something to express your love. Number two is uh, uh, time spent with one another. And uh, another one was uh, words of acclamation, I guess, or, or not acclamation, words of appreciation. Um, let me see. I don't remember the rest of them. They're not important. <laughs> Hopefully they're not your love language, sweetheart. <laughs> but as I took that test, it asked 30 questions. And uh, about I think I got nine on one. I answered nine for one love language and nine for another. And then the others fell into these much smaller categories. And they were quality time spent and number two, acts of service. You see, acts of service is a legitimate way to express your love and appreciation for someone. And we look at the previous story with Mary and Martha and we, we almost judge Martha because, oh, look at Mary. She's sitting at the, at the feet of the Lord Jesus and she's learning and she's gleaning. But at the end of the day, is Martha's love and thanksgiving any less legitimate than Mary's? I don't believe so. It's just a different way of expressing that love and appreciation. 
And, and, and if you'll recall the story where, where they do summons Jesus, they, they call Jesus to come for Lazarus. Do you want to recall who goes to meet Jesus first? It's not Mary. In fact, even when Mary does come, she says, Lord, if you'd have been here four days earlier, my brother would still be alive. But when Martha goes to meet Jesus, you know what she says? Lord, if you'd have been here four days earlier, my brother would still be alive. Nevertheless, I know that whatsoever you ask of God, he will give it. You see, Martha wasn't a worse Christian than Mary just because she served. In fact, I would say she was a fantastic Christian. Her love and admiration for Jesus drove her to serve him. Thanksgiving is not something that is just inside. Thanksgiving is an action. And for Martha, this action was service. It's no different than the way we handle when we have guests come into town. It's amazing to me. Every day I come home from work, and oftentimes I come home to Bailey drenched in spaghetti sauce, handprints of spaghetti on the wall. But man, if my in-laws come into town, boy, the house somehow gets crazy spick and span. It's amazing. My daughters, their hair's actually combed, and... and uh, they're wearing clean clothes that actually fit, you know. Normally, they just go around in a diaper all day. You say, Caitlin's potty trained. Yeah, but it's just so much easier. <laughs> Man, when the in-laws come into town, right? But you're guilty of it too, right? When you have guests into your home, you want to put the best foot forward. It's a, it's a level of service. It's a level of appreciation. That's what Martha did. She had a serving spirit, and that was her reaction of thankfulness. Number two, not only a serving spirit, but a passionate present. Verse number three, the Bible says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. You see, Mary, certainly recalling what just took place in John chapter 11, the day where she and her sister thought it, all hope was lost. And yet now they're sitting at a table with their brother Lazarus. She comes in, wants to express her gratitude for what Jesus has done in her life. And what does she do? Well, she gives the best that she has. I don't want to tell you too much. Uh, there's a lot of conflicting information about the cost of this particular ointment. Uh, the Bible does tell us in verse number five of, the, uh, of this chapter that it was 300 penny worth. Now, some people say that the average wage was about one penny worth a day. So technically this was about a year's salary. I, I don't want to get into all that because I don't know. I'm not a Bible scholar. All I know is this. Verse number three says it is this. Very costly. I don't know if it's a year's salary. I don't, I don't know if it's a week's salary. I don't know if this was something she took to put her college fund toward. I, I, I don't know. But the Bible makes it very clear. This cost her a great deal to give this. And she 
as an expression of her gratitude and appreciation and admiration for the Lord Jesus, she brings in something that costs her a great deal and anoints the Lord with it. You see, thanksgiving is not something that stays on the inside. And, and to be very frank with you, I'm not sure thanksgiving is something that we just express verbally. You know, sometimes we go around the church and we'll say, what are you thankful for? We go around the table at Thanksgiving and say, what are you thankful for? Certainly we've asked my daughters, uh, what are you thankful for? And most of it is Grandpa Paul. That's what they're generally thankful for. But verbally communicating it surely cannot suffice. When you see the example here of Mary bringing something that costs her a great deal and giving it to the Lord. What was it that King David says? How can I sacrifice or offer God anything that doesn't cost me something? Someone once said a Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing. I believe a thankful spirit that that doesn't spend anything to express that thanksgiving is also worth nothing. A passionate present. Have you ever been birthday card shopping? You go down to Walmart, now they've got all sorts of crazy cards, don't they? You open them up, and they've got music that play in them now. You open them up, now it looks like a, 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 a carnival popping out of the card. They've, they've got it so figured out, you can open these things up. Now they've got glitter, and they've got all sorts of stuff. But if you've been birthday card shopping lately, you've noticed one thing about birthday cards now. They cost a retarded amount of money. You'll go and you'll find the perfect card. And it'll have maybe a, 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 a just the, the way you feel in it. And then for some reason we have to write another three paragraphs, even though they took time to come up with what this card says. And we have to look at this card and we spend all day shopping for it. We find the one. We flip it over, you know, right above the barcode and the hallmark there. It says $7.95, and we say, we can find a better one. (laughs) We make our way over to the dollar card section, amen? Praise the Lord for Dollar Tree. Hobby Lobby, Dollar Tree right next to each other, it must be of God. Chick-fil-A is going right next to it here soon, I'm sure. You know, I got to looking... You know how much money you can buy 50 thank you cards for? $6. Why does it cost so much less to be thankful? We'll go out and we'll spend all that money on a birthday card, and yet we go the cheap route to express our gratitude towards someone. Strange, isn't it? We as a people are pre-programmed to celebrate things that really don't matter and to neglect the things that do. One way that we neglect our Lord is we do not give enough to express the depth of our gratitude towards Him. People or thankful people will apply their reactions of thankfulness. Thankful people will acknowledge their reasons to be thankful. And number three... Thankful people will avoid the ramifications of thanklessness. Notice this with me, if you will. Verse number four. Notice when you are thankless, 
when you begin to take for granted that which you have in hopes to receive something better than what you have, verse number 4, we find someone with mixed up priorities. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. You see, Judas here has become selfish. And he's doing it under this guise of ministry. And he's doing it under this, uh, 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 this, this veil of, oh, I am just the most compassionate person. But at the end of the day, Judas's life was lived to please himself. So he says, why would you give this great costly thing, Mary? We could have done so much more with this. And when he became thankless, his priorities began to get mixed up. That's what happens. When we become unthankful and we fail to express our gratitude towards the Lord, our priorities begin to wobble. We have have made the things that don't matter so important in this life. You know, it's good if our kids are athletic. I hope my kids are athletic. I mean, JCA needs a state title someday. Amen? I hope my kids are athletic along with the Taylor's kids and the Archer's kids and the Aminel kids. That'd be good. We, just, we, just, we, we figured we couldn't recruit them, so we'd just birth them. I hope my kids are athletic. I'll tell you, I hope my kids are, are friendly. That, to me, is far more important, though. I, I want my children... To be nice. Preacher's kids have this thing. Sometimes they're not always the friendliest. And I don't want my kids to be that. I want my kids to be nice. I want my kids to be well liked. As bad as it is for me to say this, I want them to be popular. Not popular for the wrong reasons, but popular for the right reasons. They're just a good person and people gravitate towards them. They've got, they've got, the, maybe, you know, Thomas will be funny looking because you always say he looks like me. So surely that's what it's going to be. But, but I don't know, but I want the best for my kids. But man, when we become unthankful towards God for what we have, I have seen parents' priorities totally change the wrong direction. And I am not above this. You see... It, is, it would take nothing for my son to be super good at basketball or football or baseball and for me to begin to prioritize the things that really don't matter in this life. You need to be thankful towards God and express that gratitude. A life of value can only be lived when we value that which is needful. If we value the wrong things, you'll never live a life of value. When you are ungrateful and you're thankless, you'll find your priorities will begin to mix up. Number two, and and this is actually the last point of the sermon, and this to me is the funniest part of the sermon, it is when you are unthankful, you'll find yourself involved in meaningless practices. Look at verse number nine. Now, I hope you find this as humorous as I do. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came to not for to seek Jesus only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. 
Now put yourself in the shoes of the chief priest for a second. Go with me and, and put yourself in the position of their authority. You, you can call the shots. If you had just heard that someone raised someone from the dead, do you think you would want to shut down their message or listen to their message? I would think, or I would hope, I would want to listen to it. But in this passage of Scripture, Jesus does what He has been doing for a great while. He goes to Bethany, raises Lazarus from the dead, and it's like they ignore the miracle completely, don't listen to the message at all, and try to shut Him down as Messiah. And what is even crazier to me is, they threaten Lazarus with death. Think about it. You ever heard that phrase, been there, done that, got the t-shirt and a bag of potato chips? You are going to threaten Lazarus with death. How foolish. Lazarus is like, you know, it's not half bad. I was actually mad they called me back. Think about it. But yet the chief priests have become so motivated and so agenda-oriented over their priorities, they're not even thinking sensical. They're, they're, They're just saying, you know what, we need to kill them. Well, it didn't work the first time. You know what, we just need to get rid of them. Well, if he had power to bring Lazarus back, what makes you think that it wouldn't just do the same thing with himself? You see, but when we get so focused on our agendas and our priorities that are so miscalculated sometimes, we stop using logic. We stop understanding that that there are things in this life that really matter. The greatest tragedy in this world would be if someone missed Jesus as the master. These people were so focused on guarding the skeletons of their religion that they missed the message of Jesus. And they're so focused, and and it's not that they're not busy, it's not that they're not doing things or active. No, 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 they're, they're more active than anybody. They're just doing it uselessly. You know, when our our priorities get out of whack, you know what we'll find? We will be involved in meaningless practices. Maybe good causes. Maybe maybe good things. But at the end of the day, there is nothing more important than living a life for Jesus Christ. And knowing Him as your Lord and Savior. Throughout my life, I've had various goals. I remember in elementary school at Godly... We had, uh, uh, they were dedicating this billboard there in Godly. It's right off of 171. It's the Smokey the Bear fire hazard sign. You see it sometimes. It's got, it's always extremely high danger of fire. It could be raining. It's an extremely high danger of fire. Well, when I was in elementary, they were going to dedicate that. And they needed the first grade class to come out as a choir and sing. 
And we had auditions, and there were two people that were going to take a boy and a girl, and they wanted us to sing at this deal, but the two people, they got to sing in front of everybody, and they got to be the lead. I remember when they announced that, I thought to myself, oh, I want that job bad. There's about 120 folks there in our grade, and I was, I was really wanting to be one of the two. You know, I was special. I wanted to be one of the two. So me... I got up there, and I, I did my thing. I sang my ditty, I guess you could say. And, uh, and I got selected. Me and Kelly Watson. Now, I've told this story before and got it wrong. It's not Kelly Clarkson, okay? <laughs> Kelly Watson. Some people got it confused because Kelly Clarkson's from here. <laughs> Me and Kelly Watson. So I got to sing in front of everybody. Kind of sounds silly now, but that was a goal of mine. I remember as I got to middle school, uh, it was my first year to go to youth camp. I had a goal. I wanted to win the preaching contest. Boy, I wanted to win the preaching contest so bad. I wanted to win it as a seventh grader. I'll never forget dad is helping me, trying to get me, a, a, you know, I just studied film of dad. And uh, like a football player would, okay, this is where I raise my voice. This is where I do the hand gesture. This is where I come down and say, amen, preacher. I mean, I, I did them all. I had it down. I had it down. Man, I tell you, I was, I was ready. Dad was helping me. I'll never forget in the hotel room before. I was preaching out of Luke 8 on the Maniac of Gadara. First sermon I'd ever really preached. Man, I'm excited. And uh, sure enough, I got to win the preaching contest. So I won. Kind of seems silly now, but that was a very important goal to me. In high school... I became far less spiritual than I was as a middle schooler. I, I just really wanted to be voted MVP of the league. I wanted to be voted uh, All-State. That's what I wanted. had a letterman jacket, and I wanted to deck that thing out with every patch. I mean, if they'd have given me a pirate patch, if they'd have given me a scout's patch, I'd have put it on my letterman jacket. Man, I was wanting to deck that thing out. Sure enough, my senior year... I don't believe I played a sport where I was not voted All-State. Boy, I was so excited. Oh, man. I'll never forget going to Chili's, and I had all these State of Texas patches on my back. And uh, there was a dude drying his hands, you know, behind me. And I was, you know, at the sink. I had to see him in the mirror. And he was, like, reading my back. Like, what? You know, I was like, don't tell him I play in a Christian school with 20 people, okay? <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> this is a Joshua in Kansas. It's... 5, 6A, double division of the big ones, you know. As ridiculous as it sounds, that was a very important goal to me. I got into college and uh, they have a basketball intramural league where we go and we actually get to pick the teams. And uh, I played my freshman year and I enjoyed it, had a good time. In fact, I think my team even won the deal. I had some really good players on my team and uh, I was just a freshman. They didn't even know me really, but we won, sure enough. And, and my goal from that point out became that I would be selected as a captain by Dr. John Getch, Executive Vice President of West Coast Baptist College. It was a stamp of approval that you can ball. I, and this, this was a big deal to me. Every year the announcement would be made, uh, we need to meet with uh, Abram Thomas, John Scahill, he wishes. Um, but uh, uh, we need to meet with all these... Uh, just kidding, John. Just kidding. But, but he made these announcements. Man, when my name got called, ho, 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 I'm a team captain. 
kind of seems silly now, but that was a really, really important thing to me. You know, as I look back over my life and I look at the goals I've set for myself and maybe even had the opportunity to achieve, very few of them have been fulfilling as I thought they would be. You know the one goal that I set for myself that I do not regret at all? Pastoring. I wouldn't change it. I love this. Uh, Yeah, certainly I love preaching, but I love you. I love getting to be a part of your life. as, As odd as it seems, as hard as this is for you to understand, I enjoy the phone call that says, Brother Andrew, will you pray with me about something? Yes! I don't regret living my life for the Lord Jesus Christ at all. There's no higher calling. There's no better way to live. There has never been a life lost serving the Lord. You know what the Bible says? What can a man gain? What does a man profit if he were to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? At the end of the day, we set goals for ourselves. We achieve some. We don't achieve others. But friend, let me encourage you. This Thanksgiving season, allow your gratitude for the Lord to extend over to an exercise of service or love towards Him. And if you'll begin to live your life as an expression of gratitude for the Lord and all that He's done, I promise you this, you will not regret living for Him.